You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. So this past week, uh, our youngest, Madison, who's four, came into our master bathroom while I was in there and getting ready. And she walks over to the toilet and she lifts it up and she puts it back down and she lifts it up, both seats, and she goes, Dad, this is, this is your potty. And I said, yeah, you're, you're right. Good job. It, it's, that's, that's where, how daddy goes to the restroom. And then she puts it down and lifts it up. And then she just puts the seat down and she goes, and this is how mommy goes potty. Like, yeah, you know, she's figuring things out. Like, yeah, really good. She puts it back down again. And then she lifts, you know, all the seats back up one more time. She said, yeah, because you need more room because your butt's bigger. <laughs> so go to your room. No, I didn't. I didn't say that, but I got a good kick out of it like you did, but she's figuring things out. Hey, maybe that's where you find yourself today. Maybe you walked in here today, and maybe you're walking into Trace for the first time. I've met several first-time, first-timers today. Maybe you're walking into church for the first time, and if you were to kind of wrap up or sum up maybe an aspect of your life right now, you'd say, I'm trying to figure some things out. I'm trying to figure some things out, and if that happens to be you today, you're in good company. All of us right now would say that we're trying to navigate an, a very interesting season. Some of us might even call it a storm, a time in our life where things just don't seem as clear as they once did, right? There's a lot of uncertainty that we're trying to navigate through. And like a storm, maybe, maybe I could say it this way, illustrate it this way. Maybe you've been driving down the road before and there's been such a torrential downpour that you pull over to the side of the road, right? You pull over to the side of the road and you're going to wait because you really can't see clearly and you don't want to move forward until you can see, until you can focus better. Unfortunately, we don't have that luxury in life, do we? Unfortunately, what we don't want to do during a crisis or during a storm is to sit back with our arms crossed and say, hey, let's just kind of see how this pans out. Let's just see what happens. And so a couple weeks ago, we decided we wanted to kick off this new series called Instability. And it's kind of a play on the words. Again, if you've been coming for the last couple weeks, you know this, because none of us want to find or arrive at a place in life where we feel unstable. Instead, we want to move towards living in stability. But you know as well as I do, that's not going to be something that we just kind of fall into. We're just not going to haphazardly arrive there. We're going to have to do our work. And so last week we talked about, man, if we'll do our work now, if we'll put in the work now, we can live with the dividends of the health of that and the stability of that for the rest of our life. And we focused in on four areas, four areas that I've communicated that we often live or die on, the areas of our faith and our family and our finances and our friendships. And we talked about how these four areas are areas where we might have some of our fondest memories, (laughs) but some of our greatest wounds as well. We probably have incredible successes maybe in one of these four areas, but also major regrets. And so we concluded that it would be wise for us to have a plan for each of these areas so that we don't experience instability, listen to me, unnecessarily. And by unnecessarily, I mean simply because we chose not to put in the work now. And I talked last week at length about how I watch way too many people suffer and struggle with unnecessary amounts of instability simply because they would not put in the work. And so I introduced to you guys this kind of life-sized set of Jenga, and we began talking about the subjects of our family and our friendships. And today we're going to land with our finances and with our faith. 
But before we get there, many of you reached out last week and said, hey, I really appreciate that sermon. And I'm always grateful. I'm always grateful when God uses me in that way. And, but I also saw some things surface where some of you realized that you have a lot of instability in your life right now. There's a lot of things that you wouldn't even like to admit to anybody else. And you kind of came face to face with your reality where it's like, man, I, not only do I have instability in my life, man, I maybe, maybe I've been living with so much instability for so long that I've just kind of gotten used to it. It's kind of become an old friend. And you potentially, listen to me, even if I'm just talking to one person this morning, you potentially kind of resolve to the fact that, you know what? Maybe this is just my life. Maybe this is just how things are going to be. Maybe my life is just going to feel unstable. Maybe this is never going to get fixed. And if that's you this morning, and if that's potentially, if that thought process or that way of thinking has taken over your mind, can I remind you of what Paul says when he writes to the Roman church? He says, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of, sp of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who, who, sorry, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. You know what that means? It means that our God who is in you is greater than the problem in front of you. Can I get an amen this morning? That our God who is in you is greater than the problem in front of you. The very God, your heavenly Father, who created the heavens and the earth and the mountains and all the stability that's under your feet right now when you walk on the ground. I believe He wants to offer you strength today. I believe His Holy Spirit wants to guide you in the direction of stability today. I don't believe your heavenly Father looks down and wants to guide you or wants for you to live in unnecessary amounts of instability. And the very same God who raised Jesus from the dead says, I will give you that kind of power. And so, if you're here today and you've resolved to this idea that this is just going to be your life from now on, I want God to break that, to break that stronghold this morning. And so I'm going to pray for that before we move forward. And if you'll join me. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thanks for the opportunity to open up your word, to dive into a very practical subject, something that all of us can identify with, at least to some extent, that we have instability in our lives. And God, even though I don't fully understand this, this sentiment that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us if we've chosen to follow after Jesus, God, I want to believe it more. I want to understand it more, and especially for those in here that have resolved to the fact that instability is just going to be a part of their life. God, that you would break that chain, you would break that stronghold, and any voice of the enemy, any lies that are coming from the enemy, God, that you would give everyone in here a hypersensitivity to that's not your voice, because you're trying to speak something different into their life. You're trying to speak, speak from a place of strength and truth and grace and mercy and direction and purpose. So God, anybody that needs to hear that, would you allow that to sink in the depths of their thoughts right now? And I pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen. Well, today we're actually wrapping up this series. And we're wrapping up this series by looking at the subjects of our finances and our faith. Now last week, and again, you're going to have to forgive me because I was looking at this. I had marked these earlier. And then when I put them back in, I think I put the marking 
on the inside. So we're just going to have some fun with some Jenga. Everybody okay with that right now? So, and also pray for me. I've been having panic attacks every time I try to do this. So we talked about friendship, and I found one. Okay, here we go. Today we're going to be talking about faith. Let's see where this other guy is. I'm going here. Oh, easy there, buddy. Yep, there's one. Okay, I think I found him. We did good. We did good. And finances. So let me do this. Let me begin with the subject of our finances. Here's how I'd like to start. There are some areas of our life that we would consider very important, but when you go to the scriptures, they actually don't speak directly into them. It could be politics, right? As a Christ follower, like how much am I supposed to be directly involved in the politics of where I live? We don't find a lot of clarity on that in the scriptures. Or maybe it's parenting. Believe it or not, there's not a ton of advice for us parents in the Bible. That's kind of surprising, isn't it? You'd think that you would find a lot more advice on such an important subject. Or maybe, you know, why it's so important that Christ followers uh, don't become Patriots fans. All very important, very important subjects. But we just don't have a lot of clarity. I, gotta, I just got rid of somebody over here. I'm sorry if they big Patriots fan. But that's not the case when it comes to finances. When it comes to our finances, the Bible has a lot to say. And more specifically, Jesus has a lot to say. He actually talks about money and finances more than heaven and hell combined. And when he speaks up on the subject throughout the Gospels, man, he does not mince words. And so what I want to do right now is I want to kick us off by looking at something that Jesus said in Luke chapter 16. Here's what he said. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, in other words, Jesus is saying the things that God has entrusted you with, if you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one. Everybody say no one. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve. You cannot serve both God and money. If you've been coming for, to trace for any amount of time, you know that I've often like slowed down and looked at this particular phrase, and it's a very unique phrase because it's the only time that Jesus ever puts two things side by side and says, hey, on this one, you don't get to play the fence. You don't get to ride the fence here. On these two subjects, when it comes to me and when it comes to your money, you're going to have to choose who you're going to serve. The only time we see Jesus put two things side by side, he says you're going to have to choose. If I were to sum up that passage with one particular phrase, I would say it this way. You can't be faithful to God with an unhealthy focus on finances. Like it's that clear. You can't be faithful to God with an unhealthy focus on finances. So my first bullet point for us today when we're talking about the subject of finances is to be faithful. One of the things I think we can conclude when you look at all the different ways that Jesus talks about our money and finances throughout the Gospels is it's as, it's as if he has this bigger idea that I believe he keeps pointing back to. And I think it has to do with something like this, that your money is going to be the biggest competitor for your heart. And if that is true, if money is going to be the biggest competitor for your heart throughout your life, then money is no longer just a physical thing. It's very much a spiritual thing. 
In other words, you cannot, listen to me, you cannot divorce your faith from your finances. You just can't. But maybe, listen to me, but maybe that's why so many of us have struggled unnecessarily in the area of finances, at least at some point in our life, because we have divorced the two. Like over here, we've got our faith, and over here, like our finances, like I'm not, no, 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 no. Those two are separate. In other words, we would say things like, God, hey, I'll take your grace. I'll take your forgiveness. I'll take your mercy. I'll take your blessings, and I'll take your favor, and I'll take the promise of eternal life, but don't mess with my money. And maybe when you're a little kid, just think for a second, if you don't mind, like just take a moment. Think back when you were a little kid. Is that how, is that how you approached your money? My guess is that most of us, when we were little, we wanted to give some of it away. We, we wanted to give some to the church if you brought up, were brought up in the church. And we, we just had a different perspective. And then with time and maybe a lot of your own effort, right? I mean, you went to college. You went to college and you earned that degree and you worked really hard. So, of course, it's your money. And so what happens is maybe we start out like this. And with a little bit of time and a little bit of time and a little bit of time and a little bit of time, we end up like this. And I believe when we start to live like this with our finances, our heart becomes calloused to God and we start to experience unnecessary amounts of instability in the area of our finances. And so maybe your greatest takeaway on this subject today, maybe your greatest takeaway, maybe maybe you've never done this, or maybe you just need to say it out loud. God, what do you want me to do with your money? Because everything that you have, you only have because he allowed you to have it. If he didn't want you to have it, I promise you, you would not have it. And so God, what do you want me to do with your money? If you've never done that, if you've never said it out loud, I want to encourage you to take that action step today. The next point that I would bring to our attention is this, to be wise. Now, I need some crowd participation. How many of you guys are Amazon shoppers? Raise your hand really quick. Give me some crowd participation. Amazon shoppers. Okay, one more question. How many of you guys have ever bought something off of Amazon with the one click? Buy now with one click. Throw them up there. Throw them up there. Check this out. This is incredibly, I love this. This was incredibly fun to kind of look up and, and research this past week. Do you know that before the one-click option, that there was a 70% shopping cart abandonment rate? That's what they call it, shopping cart abandonment. It's like you need to go to counseling if you have that. It sounds horrible, but shopping cart abandonment. There was a 70%. Think about it. Like I put it in the cart, and then I think about it for a little bit. It's like, you know what? I don't really need that. And so you abandon the shopping cart, 70%. But when they added, when Amazon added the one-click option, their income went up by $2.5 billion, with a B, billion. One of the other stats that I saw is that, on average, an American will spend about $5,400 in impulse purchases in each given year. And so here's what I want to say. Like, if I can help bring this point and solidify this point for you today to walk away with, here's what I would tell you. Put it in the cart. Like, put it in the cart, whatever that means. It's not even Amazon, but have some kind of process where it's going to make you kind of think through, do I really need that? And obviously with Amazon, we see that that actually helped put it in the cart. So maybe putting it in the cart for you is, I will never spend more than $100 on something without talking to my spouse first. And there's some elbows and some ribs right there. Maybe it is, I'll never... Make a purchase over $1,000. Maybe you're single in here today. I'll never make a purchase over $1,000 without asking the question or a mentor, is this the wise thing to do? 
And I believe if you do that, I believe if you do that, listen to me, you will bring deeper levels of stability to your financial life. Put it in the cart. The next point I would bring to you is to be educated. Just think about this. This is incredibly practical. If money is potentially the biggest competitor for our heart, I would say that it is. You might disagree. But if it's the biggest competitor for our heart between money and Jesus, wouldn't it be wise for us to be more educated on the subject? I'm taking, I think, three different couples through premarital counseling in our church right now, and there's a point during that premarital counseling where the subject of finances comes up, and every time it comes up, I let them know. It's like, hey, a prerequisite to you getting married should be taking Financial Peace University. Anybody taking Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey? Or there's another ministry called Crown Financials that helps you to understand money the way that God wants you to. And there's a lot of resources out there, but I think it would be incredibly wise for us to be educated on this subject. Paul thinks so too. Let me show you what he says to Timothy. He says, teach, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation, stability for the future, so that they may experience true life. If uh, you want a resource, if this is something you're like, you know what, I probably should be more educated on this subject, and you would like a free resource we have a little book that we've given to many people here at the church called The Treasure Principle. It's a small book. It won't take you probably but a day or two to read it. And if you'd like a copy of that, we'll be more than happy to give you a free copy of that. Just go to Next Steps uh, after we're done here today. The next point I would bring up to us uh, to build stability for our lives, to do our work in the area of our finances, is to be generous. Trace, I have watched money destroy marriages. I have watched money destroy people. I have, I have absolutely watched money take the place of Jesus in people's lives. And I believe one of the greatest things, one of the greatest weapons that we have against greed is generosity. And so if you're here right now, and you know, listen to me, you know this. I'm not, I don't need to convince you, but you know that money's got a tighter grip on your heart than it should. If you know that, can I challenge you this week? Think of somebody, pray about this. Think of somebody who you know that would be incredibly blessed by a financial gift. Like they need it, like they're suffering, they're hurting right now. And then pray, God, would you like put on my mind, what is the number? Because I think it needs to be something that will challenge you. I think it should be something that when you give it, it's like, man, this is a sacrifice. And maybe in the midst of doing that, the, heart, the posture of your heart begins to open up a little bit more to the way that God wants you to interact with his money. Let me share, you, share with you one of my favorite Proverbs on the subject. It says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I hope because of the action step that you are willing to take this week that God brings refreshment into your life and into your soul. Let's move to the subject of faith. Now, I could say a lot on this, right? I'm a preacher. We talk about this a lot. And really, I mean, I could probably preach a sermon on almost every, every bullet point that I've shared with you over the last two weeks. And so by no means is this exhaustive. It's more of a 10,000-foot 10, flyover. But the first thing that I would tell you when it comes to your faith is to make it your greatest priority. 
to make your faith your greatest priority. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer says, and it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You know what that means? Listen to me. It means I don't care what kind of football game is on. It doesn't matter if little Timmy wants to play on a traveling sports team. If you know it's going to keep you and your family away from church regularly, I just push somebody's buttons. I don't care if it changes your friendships and the type of friends that you have. We talked about that last week and whether or not you need to get rid of some friendships as painful as that may be. I don't care if it means you need to change who you're dating right now. I don't care if it means it changes the way and how you're dating. I don't care if it changes the fact that you need to cancel HBO and Showtime because you know that by having those, it gives you an option that you probably shouldn't have late at night. I don't care what it means for you. It may even mean for you to quit a job because you know in this particular job, I'm talking to somebody right now, in this job right now, there's not a culture of integrity and it started to bleed over into your life and you know the best thing that you could do if your faith is your greatest priority is to walk away from that job. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But if our faith is our greatest priority, it becomes our true north. It becomes the only thing that we look to first to make every other decision. I hope you know this. We talked about it a few weeks ago. No matter what kind of sacrifice you feel like you need to make to make that become a reality, Jesus is still enough. He's still enough. And sometimes it does take for us to realize that when Jesus is all you got, you know he's all you need. The next point that I would bring up is to be faithful in the small steps. When Paul's writing the church in Galatia, he says, but I say walk by the Spirit. Think about that. Let that imagery seep in. Walk by the Spirit and you will not uh, gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Maybe here's how this kind of looks. You're moving in a direction in life and God says, hey, I need you to stop dating that boy or that girl. And so you make an adjustment and you keep moving. Hey, I need you to stop spending your money on those kind of things. I need you to stop drinking that much, whatever it may be. And we make an adjustment. We keep moving. Then sometimes we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, do we? Many examples in my life. And you know what the Spirit wanted you to do, but you do what I call stiff-arming the Holy Spirit. It's like, no, 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 I'm just not going to do that. And when we do that, it's, the Bible literally says our heart becomes harder, and we take a step back. I feel like I'm doing the cha-cha slide. Bring it back now, y'all. Everybody clap your hands. You did it. Thank you for those of you that participated. I put myself out there. You came halfway. and I, That's a big deal for me right there. Thank you. Be faithful. <laughs> Be faithful in the small steps. Fellas, that may mean that before the sun goes down today, you need to delete that app. Ladies, that may mean that you need to spend you need to spend some time thinking about how you interact with that one friend that you're jealous of. You kind of compare yourself to them because they got more Instagram followers than you. They got more square footage than you do. They've got more money, whatever it is. And you've been comparing yourself to them and you start to pretend to be somebody that you're not. And can I remind you this morning, ladies, listen to me. God doesn't bless who you pretend to be. He doesn't bless the curated version of you. He blesses who he created you to be. Small steps. Let me take a time out really quick because I want to talk about one particular step. 
on September 13th, which is our um, anniversary, four-year anniversary, we'd love to have a celebration of people making what I wouldn't even call a baby step. I think it's a very big step, but the step to get baptized. We've got several people uh, that have already made this choice. They're uh, going to be prepared to get baptized on that day. We want a bunch of people to do it. It's going to be the best way that we know how to celebrate life change and what God's doing in and through this church. And maybe, and I talked to a couple people last service that this was their story. Maybe you were baptized as a baby. And if that were you, let me talk to you for just a moment. I think it's incredible that your parents made that decision. I really do that they committed you to the Lord through doing that. But if you read through the entire New Covenant, not once will you actually see a baby getting baptized. But every time you do see baptism, it's when somebody is old enough to recognize that they want to make that step, because that's a step that Jesus clearly says he wants you to make. He wants you to get baptized. And so if that's your story and you've never been baptized, you've never made that choice yourself, one of the most beautiful parts about that is when you step into that baptistry and you go into that water, you know what you're telling everybody else in this room? I'm not ashamed to call Jesus the Lord of my life. And you know what that does? That builds a pretty strong foundation. That'll create a pretty good amount of stability in your faith. And so if you've never made that step and you want to, uh, come find us. You can also fill out the connection card in the seat back pocket in front of you and let us know you want to make that step. But make it yours. It's awesome that your parents made that decision when you were a baby. But that wasn't your choice. Make it your choice, and let's celebrate together with a bunch of people who are ready to be obedient in baptism. Be faithful in the small steps. The last point that I would bring up when it comes to our faith is stay committed to church. I've made this statement before, and I think it's worth repeating. Almost never, listen, almost never does decreased church attendance lead to an increased devotion to God. Can I say it again? Almost never does decreased church attendance increase your devotion to God. Commit to the body of Christ. And I don't mind saying this, and if this is not the church for you and you need to go find another church that you feel like you can commit yourself to, by all means, go find another church that you feel like you can commit regularly to. This was God's idea. It wasn't our idea. The fact that we would gather together. Let me show you what the Hebrews author says in, in chapter 10. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect not to neglect our meeting together, our gathering, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And for those of you in this room, if you'll just give me a moment, because I want to talk to some of you that are watching online right now. We get that this whole COVID, th COVID thing has kind of made that a little bit more difficult. And it's hard to navigate and you feel safer staying at home and worshiping, maybe for health reasons. And if that's you, listen to me. We are working hard to create the best online experience we can for you because we get it. This is, these are unprecedented times. But, and I said this last week, if it's just an excuse, stop. Stop making that excuse and come back and gather with us. We're doing our best to keep it safe and healthy around here. And so we'd love to have you come back. But again, for those of you, I'm not trying to guilt anybody into coming. If you really feel like the best thing for you is to stay home because of your health, stay home. Like I said, we're trying to commit and work to make the best possible church experience for you at home as we possibly can. Here's how I'll conclude. Um, several months ago, not too long after COVID kind of surfaced and all that took off, our team went away on a retreat. And when we did, we determined that if there were three things that we could get all of you to do, it would be these three things right here. That we would have you gather with us, that we would have you to get in a group and give to the mission of God, 
through Trace Church. And we call this the Trace Experience. In other words, when you come in here and it's like, you know what? I don't know if I'm really connecting here. I don't know, you know, if this is something that I want to stay around or be a part of. One of the things that you're going to hear from all of our team members is, well, are you doing these three things? Because we actually believe these three things will lead to life change in Jesus. And if you look at them and start to think through them, and then think of those in the context of the four F's that we just went through, you gather with us. If you're gathering as a family to strengthen your family and to also obviously strengthen your faith, getting in a group, having an opportunity to have more devoted friendships that are going in the same direction as you are. We talked about friendships last week by getting in a group and also strengthening your faith and then giving to the mission of God through Trace Church, making sure you're not going through this life like this, but going through this life like this. And again, if your biggest excuse to not give to the mission of God through Trace Church is like, well, I don't know if I trust what the church is doing with my money. Go find another church. Like, listen to me, I'm, I sincerely mean this. If I didn't trust the leaders of the church I was going to, I would not go to that church. And so if for whatever reason, you're just not, you don't trust us or you don't trust me, then find a place that you can trust. Because this isn't about you giving to trace. It's about you giving to the kingdom. It's about not allowing money to control your heart because it is the biggest competitor. So let me conclude. When Jesus is concluding his Sermon on the Mount, he says, you can listen to everything I said, and if you don't do anything with it, in other words, if you don't listen to what Pastor, said for, Pastor Aaron said for the last two weeks, <laughs> if you don't do anything with it, because everything I've said, I feel like I've rooted in the Word of God, you're foolish. Because we're all headed into a storm, aren't we? But if you listen to what I say, and you put it into practice, like actually, do something. Come on. Actually, do something with it. Follow through with it. Have a plan. Have an intentional process. Do your work. Then your life becomes solid and stable. When that storm comes, I think we all know they're coming. Your life will begin to become Stormproof. Do your work. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, I feel like I have brought a lot to the table in these last two sermons. And I pray that every single person in here would hold on to something. Invite your Holy Spirit to dig a little bit deeper in whatever it is. And then begin to put at least a next step in place. And for anybody right now that's living in a lot of instability. Right now, they probably feel overwhelmed. They probably see 25 steps that they need to take. Don't let them feel overwhelmed about everything they need to do, but just show them the next thing that they need to do. Make it clear, Father, that the next step that they need to take, whether it's in their faith or finances or family or friendships, God, that you would make it so crystal clear that they can't help but to take it. And so in this next moment, God, I pray that you would do just that. God, we just invite your Holy Spirit to take it from here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're new here to Trace, um, the next thing that we're going to do is a very important part of what we do. And we're going to celebrate with something called communion, also known as the Lord's Supper. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've made that commitment in your life at some point, this is for us to remember that. If you're here today and you've never made the commitment to follow Jesus and to invite him to be the leader and Lord of your life, there's not a better or bigger decision that you'll ever make 
and we want to give you that opportunity. Once again, you can fill out the connection card in the seat back pocket in front of you, or I'll stand over here. And if you want to come and talk to me about what next steps could look like uh, for you to bring Jesus into your life, uh, I'd love to talk to you about that. But for those of us that have already made that decision, we're going to celebrate by taking a little wafer that represents the body of Jesus and dipping, not dipping it, we used to dip it, we don't do that anymore. Um, We're going to take a cup of juice that represents his blood, and we're going to remember that when Jesus walked out of that grave, he also gave you a path towards stability and strength and mercy and forgiveness and grace, no matter how your story reads up until today. So we want to invite you into that moment with your Heavenly Father. For those of you that have come prepared, we want to encourage you to give. We have buckets over on the tables. If you're, if you're new with us, please don't feel obligated to give. It's our gift that you're here today, truly. But there's several ways to give. You can give through our app online, several different ways. But here's something I want to go ahead and put in front of you, and I'll send an email about this this week as well. I want to, I want to ask that you would consider bringing a one-time large gift on our anniversary, specifically because we're trying to plant a new church. And believe it or not, the church that we're trying to plant is online. Now, I hope I'm wrong in this, but as a leader, it's my job to prepare for what I think reality is going to deal us. I think COVID can potentially come back in a very strong wave this fall. And I don't know if there's going to be another shutdown or whatever, but even if there isn't, I think a lot of people are going to choose not to come to church and maybe stay home. And if that's true, we don't want them to just watch a sermon online. We want to engage with them online at a high high level. We want to pastor that's devoted to reaching them online, that's connecting with them and saying, hey, can I sit down and talk with you? We don't, just, we don't want you just watching our content. We want to connect you to the body of Christ. Now, in order to get there, in order for us to get to where we would like to be when it comes to church online, we've got to update a bunch of stuff to do it better. And we're going to try to raise $50,000 uh, by August, I'm sorry, September 13th. And we already have one of our members here at Trace that said he would match a one-time gift up to $25,000. So, yeah, you can clap for that. That's amazing. So, do what I encouraged you to do a few moments ago. Maybe if you're married, you could say, hey, why don't you pray what God puts on your heart, and I'll pray for what God puts on my heart, and then we'll see if we're close. But make sure you always go with the higher number, okay? I'm going to pray for us right now. And then I pray this is a sweet time between you and your heavenly father. I really do feel that many of you need this right now. So let me pray and then I'll, I'll encourage you to respond. Father, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we don't have to settle for instability or the status quo. Thank you that we are reminded of things that you tell us through your word, that we have a a type of power that we can tap into that really doesn't make complete sense to us, but we want to feel it and we want to know it because we experienced it. So God, whatever that looks like for everyone in this room, would you, in this moment, bring them exactly what they need. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Feel free to respond.